Do you know that from your position, you can change a situation? Do you also know that you are the master over the created world and that you are meant to rule over everything God has made? Listen carefully to Pastor Shegun Obaji as he brings to you with simplicity and clarity the message of the new creation realities in Christ Jesus. Be blessed as you listen. This is a time of encounter in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord God Almighty is here present for where two or three are gathered together in his name. There he is in their midst. He's in our midst right now. Glory be to his holy name. Lift up your hands in worship and adoration and say, Thank you, Lord, for your presence with us. You're here with us. You're here with us. The presence of the Lord is in this place. Go ahead and give God praise and thank him. Lord, we thank you for your presence in this place. We celebrate you. We honor you. Blessed be your holy name. 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 We are so blessed to have you as our Father, as our God, as our Lord, as our covering, as our shield, as our buckler, as our strong tower, as our hiding place, as our pavilion. We are grateful, Father. We give you praise. We give you glory. Blessed be your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I want you to release your faith right now and say, Father, I'm here for you. I'm here for your word. Speak to me today. My heart is open to receive your word. Speak to me today. Let your word come to me. Let your word come to me as a person. Let your word come to my life, my situation. Speak to my family. Speak to my ministry. Speak to my finances. Speak to my career. Speak to my business. Speak to the works of my hands. Speak to my heart. Change me by reason of your word. I receive your word today with meekness and I thank you for the entrance of your word gives light and understanding to the simple. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. And so, Father, our hearts are open to receive your word. We receive with faith and we receive with meekness in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We rebuke you, Satan. You have no place in the transaction that is going on right now. The speaking and the hearing of God's word, the giving and the receiving of God's word, and we banish you from this transaction in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We declare free flow of utterance by the spirit and the power of God in Jesus Jesus name amen praise the Lord all right welcome the church in Jesus name hallelujah it's a beautiful month it's still a month of light and we've been looking at God's word along the lines of light the light of the knowledge of the glory of God hallelujah the light of the knowledge of the glory of God second Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So it tells us here that this is how our change comes. This is how our change happens. It says we all with open face. Open means unveiled face beholding as in a glass or mirror the glory of the Lord. We are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So our change, our transformation comes or happens as we behold 
through the image, I mean through the mirror of the word of God, the glory of God, he says we are changed into the same image. So God made man in his own image and after his likeness and Jesus Christ is the flawless image of God's person. So as we behold the word of God, Jesus himself being the living word, we are changed, we are transformed from glory to glory to glory. Hallelujah. So this, this is the point this morning. We are stressing the um, revelation of God as to uh, transformation of the man within from glory to glory. Now, what makes for that transformation? It is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Now, when we behold in the mirror of God's word, what do we see? We see the glory of God. And what are we changed into? We are changed into the image of that glory. So the image there simply means that glory has light, glory to God. It has a revelation, a reflection. That image is the reflection of the glory of God. And this is what um, uh, Paul the Apostle was uh, saying or speaking um, about to the church at Corinth, Corinth, the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. It says, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, he says he shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, what does that mean? It simply means that the, there is the glory of God and there is the light of the knowledge of that glory. Now, the light of the knowledge of that glory is what makes for transformation. It's what makes for change. All right? That is the light that brings us into conformation to the image of the Son of God. That light is what we're looking about. I mean, looking at today, and we're talking about today. Glory to God. Now, um, Genesis chapter one and verse twenty-six. God made man in His image and after His likeness. Hebrews chapter one and verse three. Jesus Christ is the brightness or outshining of God's glory and the express image of His person. Now, and the Bible also tells us in John chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was with God in the beginning, all things were made by Him, and there was nothing that was made that was made without Him. And verse 14 tells us that that same Word that was in the beginning, the Bible tells us was made flesh and dwells among us, and we behold His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Glory to God. So, um, taking our reference from those three scriptures, I, I like to establish something here very quickly. That Jesus Christ, the living word, is the brightness of the glory of God. In other words, the light of that glory. The light of that glory. So, Jesus is the light of the glory of God. The Bible says in Hebrews 1.3 that he is the light of the, the fulgence, the brightness, the outshining, the light of the glory of God. Hallelujah. So that means Jesus has come to reveal to us the glory of God. Now, what, what is the glory of God? The glory of God is the essence of God. The glory of God is the being of God, the life of God, the character of God, so to speak. And um, we've established in the course of this uh, teaching that that glory is the way of God, the way of God, understanding the way of God. And we're going to establish that again in a moment. All right. So Jesus, who is the light of that glory, is the living word. 
So when we talk about the light of that glory, it is actually the light of the word of God. The light of the word of God. That's what it means. So God's will is for us to come up to that place of conformation through transformation to the image of the Son of God. That perfect, flawless, spotless, impeccable image of the Son of God. And that means God is bringing us up one step at a time, raising us, building us on the inside in character and in strength onto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That is the plan of God for us. And how does that happen? Through the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. That means as that light starts shining in your heart or begins to shine in your heart, you come to that place where you are transformed from glory to glory to glory to glory until you come to the place where you measure up to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That means we all conform to the image of the Son of God. Glory to God. Now, conforming to the image of the Son of God here has to do with conforming to that image in character to start with, in character, the life that we live, the life that we live. And that's what transformation is all about. Amen? Now, uh, God wants us to get into the power dimension of, of glory, all right? But that is secondary to the character dimension of glory. In, in, the, in the glory of God, there is the character dimension and there is the power dimension. Now, the reason God manifests his power is because of who he is, character-wise. God is good, therefore he uses his power to do good things, to help people, to break the yoke of affliction from off the lives of people. He uses his power to raise the poor from the dunghill, to set them among the princes of his people. That's what he uses his power for. God does not use his power to oppress because God is not an oppressor. He is love. He is a good God. Hallelujah. So everything God does, he does because of who he is. God doesn't do things because, you know, things must be done. God does things because of who he is. He works everything after the counsel of his own will. So that means he wills a thing according to his character, consistent with his character, and then he does them. Glory to God. So when we look at the glory of God, first and foremost by um, the way God introduced himself to Moses when Moses requested to see the glory of God in Exodus chapter 33, all right, and then God told him, he said, look, I will come down, all right, I will reveal myself to you how I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. All right, and I will cause all my goodness to pass before you. And then I will proclaim the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord that he proclaimed in Exodus chapter 34 and verse 6. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord. All right, that is the covenant sacred name of the Lord. The Lord, and then the Lord God, the sovereign God, merciful and gracious, long suffering and abundant in goodness and truth keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Now, if you look at 
everything God revealed about himself. The name of a man reveals him. The name of a man is an embodiment, a capsule of who that man is. So God revealing himself to Moses says, I'll proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And he said, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth. What does that mean? It simply means that God was revealing himself, the very essence of God to Moses. All right? Moses was getting to know who God truly was. God was showing himself to Moses. Hallelujah. He was revealing himself to him. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands. All right? That speaks of his faithfulness. Keeping mercy for thousands, he says, and then he forgives iniquity and transgression and sin. That is still his benevolence, his graciousness, his mercy, his goodness. Glory to God. God is a good God. Hallelujah. That's who he is. God is good. He is a good God. Amen. Now, coming to understand God, just based on his office or what he does, is good but not good enough. All right, that knowledge of God is still limited. It's just like knowing someone only by what the person does. All right, his profession, his career, his business. That is good, but that's not good enough because that knowledge is limited to what the person does. You don't know the person as yet. You need to come to know the person, who the person truly is. Glory to God. Now, God works miracles, God does wonders, but that's not who God is. Alright? You cannot label or name God just based on what He does. God is who He is. The Bible says to give thanks to the Lord for He is good and His mercy endures forever. Glory to God. So, you see, He does wonderful things. Psalm 136 and verse 4. To Him who alone does great wonders for His mercy endures forever. So, God does wonderful things. Now, When God does those things, what is the goal? He wants to, through his works, draw us to himself to get to know who it truly is. Hallelujah. God wants us to know him. And when we talk about knowing God, we're talking about the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Who God is in truth and verity. Glory to God. And and that's very important. In Psalm 103, and verse 7. Psalm 103 and verse 7. The Bible says, God made known his ways unto Moses, but his acts unto the children of Israel. Now, he made known his ways unto Moses, but his acts to the children of Israel. Why? Because Moses desired to know God. It was only Moses that asked this question. Show me thy glory. The children of Israel were not interested in knowing the glory of God. They were only interested in seeing the acts and the miracles of God. And for 40 years, they tempted God. They wanted to see him. Can God furnish a table for us in the wilderness? All right. Can God do this? Can he bring water out of the rock? And they kept seeking to know the works of God, to see his wonders. But they were not very much interested in knowing God for who God was. They were not interested in knowing him. So... God revealed his ways unto Moses and then his acts to the children of Israel. So there are basically two ways, all right, to come to the knowledge of God. But you see, there's a way that is higher than the first. 
The first one is knowing him by his works. The second is knowing him by his ways. Knowing God by his ways is the best way to know God. If you know God on that note, you have come to know God. You have really, really come to know God. If you know God just by his works, then you don't really know him. You can be deceived. You can err. You can go astray. But if you know God based on his ways, all right, then you have come to truly know him as he is. Glory to God. All right. So in verse 6, the preceding verse in Psalm 103 and verse 6, the Bible tells us very clearly, it says, The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. And then verse 7, the Bible says, He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. Verse 9, 8, rather, the Lord is merciful. Verse 8, and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. So, what is he saying here? Alright, David knows God. And he's saying something to us here. He's saying that, look, God is primarily merciful, gracious, kind. Alright, he's abundant in goodness and faithfulness, truth, righteousness, honesty, glory to God. That's who God is. Amen? That's who God is. So knowing him as the merciful one, the gracious one, the loving one, in other words, knowing him as the one whose character is rooted in loving kindness, righteousness, and judgment. Amen? That's how to truly know God. If you don't know God at that level, all right, your knowledge of God is still very shallow. All right, you might have seen miracles. Thank God for that. I love miracles. I love to see miracles. So I'm not against that. I love it. All right, but I'm just telling you what the Word of God says that you know God at the level of His character, His being. That is the true knowledge of God. Now, let me say this to you God is the only wise God, He's the Almighty God. All right, He's omniscient, knows all things, He's all powerful, He's omnipotent. Glory to God. Is omnipresent, all right. But if you look at the the definition of God given to us by the Word of God, all right, God never defines Himself by those things, as in calls Himself by that name directly. He describes Himself, all right, by the things He does, but He never calls Himself by the things He does. Every time you read the Bible and you see where God Himself you know, he's introducing himself, calling himself by his name. He uses the word love. He uses the word light. And then he uses the word uh, God is love, God is light, God is life. Life. First John 1 and verse 1, he calls himself the life, the eternal life. Glory to God. And then in John chapter, First uh, John 4 and verse 8, he calls himself love. Love. Verse 16, love. And then First John uh, 4 and verse, six, verse 16, he calls himself love. First John 1 and verse 5, he calls himself light. Light. So God is the life. All right? God is light. God is love. Now, light in context here speaks to something. Number one, it speaks to the righteousness of God. All right? The justice of God. The rightness of God. Hallelujah. That is it. And then number two, God is love. He speaks, you know, of and to something here. The mercy of God. The kindness of God. The tenderness of God. The compassion 
of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And then life here, speaking of God's being. Alright, God's being. God is the life, meaning he is the one who is the fountain of life. He gives life and from him, life begins. Every life takes its root from God. He is the life. He is the eternal life. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So, looking at that, it tells us that uh, describing God by what he does is good, but that's not enough. We have to know God by his ways. The ways of God. Say amen to that. The ways of God. In Genesis chapter 18 and verse 17. Genesis chapter 18 and verse 17. Hallelujah. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. All right? For I know him. I know him. You know, uh, you can put it this way, I know him as much as he knows me too. Abraham knew God. Look at it. I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord. Come on, say the way of the Lord. All right. Now, they shall keep the way of the Lord. Now, when you say the way, look up, please. The way there simply means that which is predictable, the lifestyle of God. Amen. If you know the way of a man, you can predict that man. But if you don't know his way, you can't tell where it's going to come from. Alright? Some people say, well, you cannot predict God. God is predictable. Amen? Because he has a way. Now, any man that has a way, a way simply means principle. A principle of life that is sourced in your character. Your constant, unchanging, immutable character. Alright? The acts of a man may change. His emotions may change, but his character is the same. Amen? A fraudulent man may act as, you know, sincere, but he's still a fraudulent man. (laughs) Praise God. A good man, you know, no matter what, he's a good man. Even if he's oppressed, he's still a good man. He's still going to show goodness in that situation. Because that's his character. Amen? God is merciful. He cannot become wicked. He cannot, no matter what, No matter what, God is loyal and faithful. He cannot become unfaithful, no matter what. That's who God is. So God can be trusted. Amen? Because the way of the Lord is constant. The way of the Lord is immutable. The way of the Lord is everlasting. So Abraham knew God at that level. Alright? He saw the wonders of God. He saw the acts of God. Alright? And he glorified God at that level of his acts, his power, Alright, but much more than that, he knew God at the level of the way of the Lord. He says, For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord. Now, if he didn't know the way of the Lord, there's no way he would have commanded, there was no way he would have commanded his children to keep the way of the Lord. He knew the way of the Lord. He knew what the way of the Lord was. He knew it. He knew it. Praise God. So, he says, he shall command his household and his children that they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice. Now, this is the way of the Lord. To do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he had spoken of him. So, that means, listen very carefully, all those wonderful promises God made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. 
Amen. And then the covenant they entered into him, I mean, entered uh, with uh, Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. All that <laughs> was premised on something. Keeping the way of the Lord. Because that was what um, opened the way for God to bring his word to pass in the life of Abraham. Did you see that? So, Abraham knew the way of the Lord. What's that way? To do justice and what? Judgment. Justice and judgment. Justice and judgment. Glory to God. Now, that is actually the, um, the underpinning, the foundation of God's kingdom. Amen? Justice and judgment. Psalm 89 and verse 15. Look at it quickly. Psalm 89 and verse 15. The Bible tells us, go to verse 14, please. 14, let's start from verse 14. It says, Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. Did you see it? Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. That means your throne abides where? In justice and judgment. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. So that means when God shows mercy, what is he bringing us to? He's drawing us to himself to understand his justice and judgment. And now people forfeit the privilege to extend the mercy of God and continue that mercy in their lives when they are drawn by mercy, but they reject to, I mean, they refuse to embrace justice and judgment. So justice and judgment here speaks of God's character. All right, justice simply means rightness. Rightness. All right, now there's, there's a difference between righteousness and justice. All right, but they are very, very much related. Now, righteousness is alignment to justice. Amen? And it comes by faith. When a man believes God, he comes into alignment with his justice. Praise God. Hallelujah. Abraham believed in the Lord, Genesis 15 and verse 6, and God counted it unto him for what? Righteousness. So faith in God is counted as righteousness. See? Now, justice is is a system of order. Is a system of the will of God. Is a system that reveals that which is right. That which is orderly. That which is decent. That which is proper. That which ought to be. Amen? That's justice. Glory to God. And then righteousness here is actually faith in God's justice that is revealed through his word. When God says a thing and you believe him, that faith in God brings you into alignment with the justice of God. Better put the order of God. All right? The order of God. Now, judgment here, judgment is also likened to righteousness. What judgment is, judgment doesn't necessarily mean punishment. All right? It is only punishment to the rebellious, those who will not repent. All right? But judgment simply means reward. All right? To judge means to reward. In other words, to give that which is due unto you by reason of alignment with the justice of God. That's what judgment is. So if something is misaligned from the order of God, judgment says push it back into line. Push it back into alignment. That's what judgment is. 
Amen. All right. Now, look at what God said of himself in Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 23. Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 23. It says, Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Oh. So, wisdom is good. Bible even says wisdom is the principal thing, right? But it says don't glory in it. <laughs> don't glory in your wisdom. Alright, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Don't glory in might. Might is powerful. It says, but don't glory in it. It's not worth any form of glory or glorying. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. Now, riches are good. Amen. Both riches and honor, they come from God. Amen. But it says, don't glory in money. Don't glory in houses. Don't glory in landed property. Don't glory in your net worth. Don't glory in it. Okay, so what then do we glory in? <laughs> but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, oh, judgment and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, saith the Lord. So you see, all those other things, wisdom, amen, might, riches, they are actually products of judgment. When God judges, he gives wisdom. When God judges, he gives might. Promotion doesn't come from the west, nor from the east, nor from the south. He says God is the judge. God is the judge. He sets up one, he brings down another. So exaltation is actually a product of judgment. It's, it's a simple thing. So you don't glory in that. Glory in the primary thing here. That you understand and know God. That he's the God that exercises loving kindness and judgment and righteousness in the earth. He says, for in these things I delight, saith the Lord. So God delights in loving kindness. Loving kindness is an old King James way of saying compassion, mercy. That's what loving kindness is. Some people wonder what's loving kindness. Is it love and kindness put together? All right, compassion. That's what it means. And then judgment. In other words, look up, please. Even the preacher says something. He says, if there's injustice in any place, he says, if people disregard it, he says, they should not forget that there's the one who loves justice upstairs in heaven, God. He says, if they do not attend to it, they will visit it. Because God loves to judge. He loves to put things right. That's what judgment is. He loves to set things in order. God hates disorderliness with a passion. Let all things be done decently and in order. Now the God who gave that instruction, of course, you wouldn't expect him to be disorderly. You know, someone said, you know, somebody had an encounter one time and was uh, catapulted in that vision. He saw, he went to heaven. He saw the glory of God. He said the first thing he noticed when he stepped in through the gates of heaven was the order. That everything was so organized. That you're not, you don't say a thing until you are given an instruction or permission to say it. You don't move around just anyhow. All right, everybody's will is in perfect alignment with the will of God. You know, and God is a judge. He's the judge of the whole earth. Abraham knew him as a judge. Remember in his intercession for Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis chapter 18, he says, shall the judge of the whole earth not do right? <laughs> so he knew God as a judge. Amen. In fact, 
prayer is useless without understanding the justice of God. There's, there's no prayer without the justice of God. How can you take up his word to someone who is an unjust God, an unjust person, and you take his word to him and say, you said this, well, I can't remember when I said it. <laughs> Alright, so in prayer, we appeal to two things. The mercifulness of God, that he will respond to us according to his compassion and his justice. He will not deny his word. So it makes prayer a delight. It makes prayer a predictable transaction. You can transact you know, with God and believe that it's, go, it's going to happen according to his word. Because he can't deny himself. Amen? He can't deny himself. So, this is the way of God. Now, in understanding the way of God, you're coming to that place of character. When you start pressing into the character of God um, vis-a-vis how that he wants us to develop character in our work with him, to come up to that level, that measure of his own character. God wants all of his children to be as holy as he is holy, to be as perfect as he is perfect. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Praise God. That's, that's where it's taking us. And when we begin to know God at that level, listen very carefully, we have come to the place of the real knowledge of God. Now, may I say this? Charismatics, wonderful people, you know, flowing in the gates of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Um, Pentecostals, you know, wonderful people, you know, believe in the Holy Ghost, receiving the Spirit of God, getting filled with the Holy Ghost, and speaking in other tongues. Amen. Now, may I announce to you that as good as all that is, that's not the true knowledge of God. You may speak in tongues and still not know God. You may um, manifest the gifts of the Spirit. I love the gifts of the Spirit, so don't think that well, this person don't mind, he doesn't believe in. No, you see, I, I, I love the gifts of the Spirit. And by the grace of God, I, I play in that realm. Glory to God. Now, understand this. If you don't develop character as a child of God, I'm telling you, the knowledge of God is just going to be a flash in the pan for you. It's just fear. Amen? It is character that forms the hub and receptacle of God's light in you. Because light itself, understand, light itself is a product of something, naturally speaking now. Alright? If you see light somewhere, it's shining from somewhere. Anywhere you see light, it's shining from something or from somewhere. True? Alright? Light from a light bulb. True? Uh-huh. So that means character has formed the hub of light. And this was what, you know, Apostle Peter was saying in Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 5. And, and I want you to follow this. This is very important. He says, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity, and it says, if, so for if these things be in you and abound, these things. So what are the things he's talking about here? He says, add to your faith. He didn't say faith. Faith is not part of those things. Because faith is there. It's been given to you. He says, add to your faith. So the things I said to add to our faith, these are the things that he's referring to here. Alright? Faith is given to us. God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. The moment you get born again, God deals to you the measure of faith. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. 
Alright? So you have the faith of God. You can develop that faith. You can grow that faith. But understand that is a basic soft loan. Basic capital that God gives to every child of God. Faith. Amen? The reason some people struggle to believe God is because they don't know that they are believers. Alright? You are a businessman. You don't struggle to do business. <laughs> All right? Because you are wired to do business. It's just there it flows. Amen? Uh, faith. You just know how to use your faith. Put that faith to work. How to feed it. How to release the faith. Glory to God. How to stay it. Amen? Alright? So, he didn't say add to yourself faith. You don't add faith to yourself. You can build your faith. He says add to your faith. So there's something to add to faith here. Faith forms the foundation of our life. There's a superstructure that must come on that faith. Glory to God. So he says, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Virtue. Virtue here means alacrity. Readiness. Readiness to go for that which God has shown you in his word. If God says this thing is yours, don't, don't be laid back. Don't feel like, mm, if God wants to give me, let him give me. If he's not giving me, uh, so be it. No, you go for it. Say amen to that. Amen. That's virtue there. Alacrity. Ready, uh, readiness to receive. Manliness. All right? Forwardness. That's what it means. That word is from the root word R-A-R-A-T-E in the Greek. All right? I don't know how it's pronounced, but let me pronounce it my own way. Arete or arete. Amen? It means manliness, forwardness, glory to God. He says, and to virtue, add knowledge. You see it? So that means you cannot come to know God and know the things of the Spirit of God without that forwardness. You must be forward to hear, forward to know, forward to receive that which Christ as provided for you. Can someone say amen to that? Amen. So add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. Knowledge and to knowledge, it says now, not, not just you just know things, it says now add self control to a temperance. Alright? So that means there's temperance here. That means we must be tempered in knowledge. In the use of knowledge. All right, in the application of knowledge, because knowledge pops up, but love edifies. So temperance. He says, and to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, what? Patience. Patience here means, you know, a constancy, endurance, consistency, steadfastness. Steadfastness. Glory to God. And to patience, he says, godliness, acting like God. Did you see that? And to godliness, brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. Charity. Love. Now it now says, if these things be in you and abound, look at what they will do. They make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you see, a Christian may be barren in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because, you see, he already, already has faith. She already has faith. But she's not adding to her faith. She's not adding to his he's not adding to his faith. Add to your faith, virtue. There are things to add to your faith. Alright? In climbing up the stairs, the ladder of the knowledge of God. Because if these things be in you and abound, they multiply. It says, they these things. 
will make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you see that? Okay. So there are certain things, virtues, there are certain things that make you to be fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That, that means you start bearing fruit. To know Jesus at the verge of salvation, at the point of new birth, is good, but that is not enough. In fact, I would rather say that at salvation, God knew you. <laughs> you didn't really know him. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. So there is, there is an adventure. There is a life of knowing God. And in the life of knowing God, it's not just seeking the knowledge of God, as it were, but seeking to add certain things to your faith that make for the knowledge of God. That bring about fruitfulness in the knowledge of God. He says, if these things be in you and abound, they, these things, make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see it? So there are certain things that will become the hub of light within you. Amen? The epicenter of light on the inside of you. The generator of light, light, the light of God, the knowledge of God, virtues, Christian virtues. Praise God. All right, because this is how to go up and climb up the ladder and climb up the ladder and truly know God. And let me say this there are some evangelicals who don't have those charismatic flows, but they know God. They know God. And these are people, if you go to the West, uh, particularly in the U.S., these are people that support the gospel, the preaching of the gospel massively. Amen? And most of them are evangelicals. There are Pentecostals who speak in tongues, all right, see the blessings of God, um, get blessed, enjoy the goodness of God, and, and run away with the blessings into the world and go and do what is in their heart. They never knew God to start with. Can you imagine ten lepers showed up, nine were Jews, one was a Samaritan, and Jesus demonstrated his benevolence to them and they were healed. It was only a Samaritan that came back to say thank you. All the Jews, they were <laughs> Went away, he just lost. He was only a Samaritan. What does that tell you? He he was thoughtful that ah, this is a good and he came back and he was screaming, shouting loud the praise of God. He bowed himself, he was screaming the praise of God. And Jesus the Lord said, Were there not ten that were made whole? What about the remaining nine? <laughs> How come it's only one that is coming back to say thank you? Alright? It's only virtue. That in you, when, when you are rooted in virtue, that's the only time you can truly show gratitude. Amen? Because you see it as goodness. That look, this person has been good to me. Alright? And then you show. You see, these things are things that will preserve us, our faith. Amen? And it brings us to the truth of God. That knowledge of God that is pure that is spotless, impeccable, the real knowledge of God. Praise God. 
Now, I analyzed one time, I did a study of, of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus taught in the book of Matthew. All right, Matthew um, chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7. And, and I saw that mostly what he was talking about, he was talking about the weightier or weighty matters of the kingdom of God. When we talk about the weighty matters of the kingdom of God, we're actually talking about matters bordering on righteousness, justice, loving kindness, judgment. Amen? They are weighty. And he was talking about forgiveness. He was talking about, you know, love. He was talking about compassion. Look at, Jesus taught more about these things. Now, receiving the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues and demonstrating the gifts of the Spirit, they, they ought to enhance these things. Not take us away from them. Because this is the foundation of Christianity. Alright? It's that somebody wronged you and you are forgiving the person. Not that you linger on it ten months. You are still thinking about it until there is an encounter. A dozen. Or a minister is invited from. And God has to... It's, it's costly for God to bring a minister from fly over the oceans. Alright? From the upper hemisphere. <laughs> bring the minister to, to, to just tell you to forgive. That's costly. That's expensive. But God will do anything to get you rooted in love. Amen? This, 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 this is Christianity. Praise God. All right, coming to develop virtue, faithfulness. That you're faithful to your wife. Are you from saying here? Faithful to your husband. No matter what, even if there are temptations. I've given my yes to this woman. I've given my yes to this man. I'm not going to say no anymore. Come watch me. She may not be acting right, but that's not a reason for me to go and sleep with somebody outside. I won't do that. It's called faithfulness. Amen? And that is the height of manhood. That is the height of womanhood. When you say someone is fully developed, he understands virtues. He holds them in high esteem. When he sees faithfulness, he can tell that's faithfulness. When he sees honesty, he can say that's honesty. When he sees mercy, he says, oh, that guy is merciful. He treasures all that more than, look at it, wisdom, might, and what? Riches. He says, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. This is, these are things we don't glory in. Alright? Not the mighty man in his might. No, no, no. Not the rich man in his riches. He says, but glory in this that you understand me, the Lord, alright, as the God who executes loving kindness, righteousness, and judgment in the earth. For in these things I delight, said the Lord. Glory in the things that God delights in. God loves faithfulness. When a man holds, you see, your wife is your wife. Listen very carefully. The shape will change. All right. At least you know your grandfather, grandfather, your grandmother. Maybe they've gone to be with the Lord, but before they went to be with the Lord, all right. Some of them were walking this way, but they didn't start that way. The, the cheeks, you know, dropped and everything. But listen. That's life. Amen? But there's something that will not change in the heart of a man. Faithfulness to his wife. In the heart of a woman to her husband. Faithfulness to her husband. 
faithfulness. Are you from saying here? It's, it's rooted there. Alright? Maybe the buttocks, the bots have gone in. Alright? Or a particular part is sagging. All right? You are still faithful. Your character cannot sag. Alright? The Bible tells us that though the outward man perishes, he says, but the inward man is renewed day by day. Why we look not at the things which are seen? For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Character is eternal. Now, I always tell people, I said, look, let me tell you something. If you find a faithful man and a gifted man, you may think that, you know, you need the gift of that gifted man. If the gift of a gifted man is injected into your life or your business, he may turn around because he's not faithful and it will make the business worse off than he met it. But a faithful man, he says, who can find? It is a gifted man. Now, I'm not disparaging the importance of gifts. Understand what I'm saying here? It is good to be gifted. But above all, there's something more important than giftedness. It is character. How come there are too many women out there for men to marry, but very few wives? How come there are too many mistresses, even in the church, but very few faithful wives? How come there are men who are well developed with chests and all that? You know, they visit the gym every day, working out, working out. They look attractive to women. Alright, but they are just impregnators. They are not fathers, they are not husbands. Why? If people are looking for good wives, good husbands, where should they come to? Is it not the church of the living God? Amen. Are you from what I'm saying here? That even if the person you're doing business with does not understand some things, and you know that ah, this was not the agreement we signed, I'm not going to defraud this person. Either he's alive or dead. Either he's breathing or not breathing. No more breathing. It makes no difference. Because you understand judgment and justice. Amen? Now, from Adam to this moment... People have been cutting corners. And corners have not been cut yet. Yeah. Corners have cut some people short. Alright. And they are still cutting corners. Now, it's easier to walk straight than to cut corners. See when you understand those things. Character on the inside. Godliness. Acting like God. And you cover that earnestly. Say Lord that is what I see in Jesus. That's what I want. Yeah. Power. Mm-hmm. Now, how come, listen very carefully, how come Jesus Christ, when he was born, the Holy Ghost didn't come upon him immediately? Because that's not the most important thing to start with. He had to build character first for 30 years. When the Holy Ghost came upon him, he was ready to engage the anointing. Because, you see, what gives stability here and capacity to engage the anointing is Christian virtues. And in three and a half years, he was done with his ministry. That kind of heavy anointing may come upon someone and in less than six months, the person is misbehaving. Why? There's no character to carry it. Have you ever asked yourself this question? How come the people who have the most of challenges in life are gifted people? Have you noticed that? They feel like I can't. They are when the height of indiscipline. You see it with gifted people. They just feel like ah, 
I don't even have to prepare for anything. I will talk now. Is he not speaking? <laughs> well, I open my mouth like this, papa, 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 pa. you know, because they lean on their giftedness. And that was what finished Lucifer. It was giftedness. Amen. I mean, you see, so that's there's nothing wrong with gifted and understand it, but listen, giftedness, charis or charisma is actually a superstructure. Character is the substructure, the underpinning, the foundation of life. Ask businessmen who have done business with different people, what are they looking for? I just need a faithful person I can just commit to. I just need someone I can say, look, this is my checkbook. I'm busy. I'm going to say, sign this, sign this, do this for me, do this. And he will be faithful. Not be looking at, ah, how will I corner my boss? And you know, you see people work in a company and because they have the privilege to, you know, have an interaction or form of interaction with clients, their company's clients, they start settling themselves one by one because they are preparing to leave. That's their exit plan. It's called self-preservation. So they are trying to preserve themselves. So they, they just they said to this one, they said, they said, this is what I do. I know. Said, that company, <laughs> don't mind that. <laughs> you remember there was a time we wanted to do t-shirt for church. And we had been talking with the representative of a company. And all of a sudden, the person came and said, look, don't want to mind my company and all that. It's too expensive. They are very crazy. And I can do it for you for less, less, far, far less than. Ah. My wife said, you are an unfaithful man. I'm not going to do business with you. I would rather put extra, pay extra for this. So you want to do, you, so, and you will now collect salary from that company. Do you know the company is bankrupt now? See, they are folded up. Amen. What can you do with money? Uh, can, you, can you do business all by yourself? Even if you are faithful, are you going to be the only faithful person in your business? The world is in their need of character right now. Amen? And you just see people, so even just, ah, that guy, please, anything, money, anything, well, don't let him, the basic secret of his own, but in terms of giftedness, and let him arrange all the software and all that. But please, our company details all these secrets. Don't let him, you know, why? Because the boss can't trust him. Amen? And when, when does God repent? You know, you know God repents too. <laughs> yeah? On one or two occasions, he repented. You know, um, in the day of um, Noah, he repented. Why did I even make man? <laughs> and then concerning Saul, the son of Kish, God repented. Ah, I shouldn't have anointed this person. Why? Because he was unfaithful. So there's something about faithfulness. Faithfulness is, is a character that um, can carry any form of superstructure, no matter the number of stories. All right? Even if it's a skyscraper, some people desire a skyscraper destiny. All right? But they are not ready to go down, down, down beneath the ground level to build a solid foundation for that skyscraper. You have to. It's called Christian virtue. And when, when you begin to seek God at the level of virtue, all right, listen very carefully, you come to the place where you are stable in life. Praise God. You know there are some wives, if their husbands travel, they can't go to bed. They can't go to sleep. <laughs> and they'll be calling at odd hours. Where, where, 
I'm hearing a voice in the background. Who is <laughs> and then you wonder why for a faithful man, the wife is already snoring. And my husband of course I trust the grace of God to keep him. My husband is you know. Amen. That's what we're talking about here. Alright, our world will shift from its foundation without these basic things. Loving kindness, righteousness and judgment. Justice and judgment. I told you righteousness and justice are very much related. Amen. Alright, now let's, let's go to Psalm 82 as we begin to close now. How much time do I have left? Alright, thank you. Psalm 82, we start the reading from verse 1 very quickly. He says, God stands in the congregation of the mighty. Look at it. He stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. See? How long will ye judge unjustly? This is his judgment among the gods. And accept the persons of the wicked. Selah. Think about this. Defend the poor and fatherless. Did you see it? He says, defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice. To the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Read them out of the hand of the wicked. Did you see that? They know not. The gods know not. Neither will they understand. This is the judgment of God amongst the gods. Amongst the mighty. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said. Ye are gods and all of you are children of the most high. But ye shall die like men. God forbid. Amen. You see, look at it. Look at it. The word says, you see, the gods, gods are rulers. They set rules. Amen? The rule of the most high God. Loving kindness, mercy, righteousness, justice, and judgment. Praise God. You know, someone, somebody came to me one time, you know, um, took a loan from a brother in church. And um, the, the brother does business, that's what he does. You know, and was complaining to me and said, ah, well, this, this person still wants to collect the money, you know, back. Having known that um, I have some challenges. And I said, well, if you collected the money, you collected the loan from maybe GT, GT Bank, all right, and they don't know you, they don't attend your church, will you be complaining to them that they should, they should understand your situation? That's injustice. When you were collecting the loan and they told you these are the terms, you signed it. You appended your signature to it, right? Okay? If you understand justice, go and pay back. Simple. Oh, no man, nothing. It's that simple. That a brother, you know, gave you a loan. Doesn't mean that because it's a brother, you shouldn't pay back. God hates that with a passion. Or you have employees working for you. Alright? And you are fine, but you will not pay them their dues, their remunerations, their salaries. It's wrong. When God will judge, most of the time, when he stands that way, he always comes with his hosts. The Lord Sabaoth. Alright? Jehovah, the Lord of hosts. He's the, he's the avenger of such. Amen? He hates it with a passion because God loves judgment. He wants to set things right. That's why it says, judge yourself that you be not judged. Examine yourself whether you be in the faith. Alright? Except he be reprobate. If you put things right, set things right, God will not have to come down to set it right. But if God comes to set it right, (laughs) 
Amen? Alright. So these are the things we have to understand. Mercy. Someone has wronged you. The person wronged you. Yes. I mean the person wronged you and you were pained. Yes. But understand that God is merciful. Forgive. No, many of us give but we don't forgive. Now, people who are benevolent, they give things, they give time and all that. But when it comes to forgiveness, and giving is not complete without forgiveness. If you give and not forgive, all right, your giving is not complete. Let it go. Let it go. Glory to God. Let it go and say, Lord, this person wronged me. Yes. But in your name, because I have been forgiven of my sins. And I extend the same to this precious one. I let it go. I let it go. Lord, help my heart. Help my heart, Lord. Your grace is sufficient. Holy Spirit, you're my helper. Amen. And God will bring his consolation and comfort to your heart and will heal you of every wound in your heart. It will, it will, it will repair your emotional damages and restore your soul. David said, he restoreth my soul. God will restore your soul. Bring your soul back to a place where you can pray for the person and not feel bad. You can love the person and not feel bad. You can send an offering to the person and not feel cheated. It's called mercy. You understand it. And if you look at the heart of the prayers that the Apostle Paul prayed for the churches by the Holy Spirit, there were prayers addressing these basic things. Amen? Christian virtues at the core of those prayers. We find Paul praying that God will bring. Look at, for example, Colossians 1 and verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with what? The knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. He says that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. Do you see that? And increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience. Do you see that? And long suffering. That's that that those are the characteristics of love. Patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Amen. Giving thanks unto the Father. Alright, you understand his goodness. That's the that's the scriptural way to greet the goodness of God. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Why? For he is good. And if you know the goodness of God, you will not murmur. You give him thanks. And you lift your hands and give thanks. Something is not right around you. You know, you say, Father, I'm grateful. I thank you because you are good to me. I remember where you picked me from. I remember how you saved me. <laughs> I remember how you blessed me with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Look at how you've changed my life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're bigger than this one. You will handle this situation. So I'm not going to focus on it. I stay my mind on you. And that will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee. Hallelujah. You see? Did you see that? Philippians 1 and verse 9, as we begin to close. Philippians, Philippians 1 and verse 9, and this I pray, that your love may abound yet what? More and more in knowledge and in all judgment. It says love. In knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense, till the day of Christ. Alright, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. So he prayed for them again and again and again that their love will abound in knowledge and in all judgment. You see? Praise God. 
Now, look at it. A man earns maybe 120,000 naira a month and he ought to drop maybe 10,000 or 15,000 naira for um, feeding at home. Amen. But it feels like, look, you can't, I can't be working and working and working for everybody. I want to enjoy myself too. Alright? So, he goes to Mama Put, Buka, and he eats roundabout Shaki, Pomo, you know, and all those things. He enjoys himself and he comes back home, he drops 5,000 naira. And he repeats that the next month, the following month, and he keeps doing that. Listen very carefully. When God will judge, he will transfer the finances of the family to the wife. It's a simple thing. Because, you see, if you don't repent now, it's, and when it happens, don't feel like, uh, if you want to be the man leading, you better be responsible. He will buy Peth, what, 15,000 naira? The wife will be smelling raw soap. That's the Peth, the raw soap. I don't want to mention any brand so that people don't come after me. Are you what I'm saying here? Uh-huh. Raw soap. The thing will be, be smelling like that. You'll feel, you'll be like, hmm. And then you smell the other. Ah. And, and he, he keeps at, at it. He keeps doing that. And God says, it's time. You've been measured and found wanting. Because God measures people. God is God of knowledge, but him actions are weight. So he measures the man. He finds him wanting. wanting he transfers the wealth to the wife. And he starts complaining. And somebody went, the wife went to meet the grandmother. They did something. They now transferred his glory to the wife. Nobody transferred your glory. Alright? You're missing in action. Adam, where are thou? Come back to where you belong. Instead of repenting, simple things, going back to Christian virtues, people start attaching all those things to Satan, to devils. Are you from what I'm saying here? Amen. I said amen. A wife, you know, your parents will come and greet you. And you go and bring out the plates that are very nice and, you know, prepare special dish because they are your parents. But for your husband, it's one flat place somewhere. You just put the rice there and put beans on top and pour stew on top of the rice. <laughs> and you now bury the meat, the piece of meat inside. Just bury it inside. <laughs> you give it to the man. No, 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 no. It's not done anywhere. You see, this is your husband, your glory, your head. You have to honor him. We're not saying you shouldn't honor your parents. Honor your parents, that's good. But you have to honor your husband. Praise God. Well, see, seek these things. Add to your faith virtue. How do you do that? Get into the word. As you get into the word, all right, as you see the image, how things ought to be, the glory of God, amen, begin to desire that and say, Lord, that's what I want. And then put the word to work. Practice the word of God. Put the word to work. And every time you act on the word, virtue is being developed on the inside of you. Act on the word. Don't act on your feelings. All right, act on the word. You may not feel right about someone, doesn't mean you shouldn't love the person. All right, love, honor all men, do it from your heart. Just do it from your heart by the grace that the Spirit of God supplies within you. Say, Holy Spirit, you are my helper, you're my help. I receive grace. I receive grace to act on the word. I'm a doer of the word. And as you walk on the word of God, act on the word of God, live by the word of God, listen very carefully. Christian virtue will begin to grow on the inside of you. And listen, the Bible tells us to give all diligence. 
It's not something you do once in a while. When it is convenient and when it's not convenient, you give it up. Give all diligence. Act. Giving all, di- all diligence. You must make sure that that is how you are living your life. And that is all that matters to you. Giving all diligence. You add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness charity. Glory to God. This is very important. Praise God. Let's be upstanding as we pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, the word has come to us. We are grateful for that which you have spoken to us. Today our hearts are open to receive everything that you have given us. We receive with thanksgiving. Thank you, Father, for your knowledge abounds in us. Your knowledge abounds in us. We know you are the level of character, at the level of loving kindness, righteousness, judgment, justice, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that you are good, so we give you thanks. Blessed be your holy name. We give you thanks, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.